Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Today's program has been pre-recorded. Now a special Talk Radio 1210 WPHT presentation. It's reading, writing, and reason. Now here's your host, Dom Giordano. Hey, welcome in everyone. Reading, writing, and reason. Dom Giordano with you, produced by Dan each and every week. We have some great uh, guests uh, coming up here a little bit later in the show today. And we'll be talking about all these issues that involve education, parenting, and things related to all the money that goes into it. Speaking of money, we now see that uh, in the field of education in Pennsylvania, if you can imagine... I've been telling you for years, this Pennsylvania Supreme Court was going to say we need a new funding formula that school districts that are failing, like Philadelphia, Norristown, a lot of these school districts in rural Pennsylvania, they need more money. So a commission that was set up came down this week and said, Pennsylvania has to inject more than $9 billion into additional money into public education. And guess who is on board with this? This is the commission's majority report, Josh Shapiro, the governor. So you know that the governor gives his annual budget address, state of the state budget address in February. How would they get $9 billion more dollars over X number of years? Is Josh Shapiro now going to tell us we need a more massive state income tax or more taxes on smokers and God knows what else? Imagine with all the money spent in many school districts like Philadelphia, it's twenty-three, dollars dollars $25,000 a year on an individual student that we need to spend even more money all those billions of extra dollars. So we're going to be on this. I've been telling you this was going to come up. And advocates say, while the education analysis had excluded high and low spending district deemed to be outliers, lawmakers analysis excluded only high spending districts like Lower Marion and Radnor, bringing the average down as far as what is spent and needs to be spent. Uh, This is the progressive dream here in Pennsylvania. Is Josh Shapiro going to out himself and show us what he's all about? Uh, Dom Giordano with you on Reading, Writing, and Reason. My uh, friend, uh, Bill O'Reilly, in the news in the education field because the school district, uh, the uh, Escobia uh, County Public Schools in Florida uh, are showing giving uh, those that want to say we want to ban books. You know all the battles in the schools with Lawn Boy and books like that? 
they're giving them fodder because this week they banned a lot of books and they can't explain themselves. Uh, This county in um, Florida, the Guinness Book of World Records and two of Bill O'Reilly's Killing Jesus, A History and Killing Reagan, The Violent Assault That Changed a Presidency, they banned those, including titles too, by Stephen King, John Grisham, and Nicholas Sparks. How can you ban Bill O'Reilly killing Jesus? Uh, did they think that O'Reilly was proposing killing Jesus, that he was on board with that? Uh, one other item to throw your way, and I'm a little bit torn on this. I'll tell you what side I come down on. You're going to see this more across the country, though, and we always try to bring you the things that are happening now on Reading, Writing, and Reason. In California, the state legislature, uh, State Assembly Bill 734, would ban children under the age from 12 from taking part in tackle football. Now, as a parent, I don't think it's a good idea, kids under. I don't think it's cute. I don't know about long-term damage of kids under 12 playing tackle football. But I do know that on this, I think ultimately the parent should be the one that can make that decision. And I think this goes a bridge too far by trying to take away tackle football and putting it at the age of 12. Now, I think it's not a good parental decision. I don't see any upside if the kid start, uh, starts playing football at 12. I don't think he's going to have a huge disadvantage to make a high school team, college team, or even pro if he's good enough. But the idea of the state getting in here and saying you can't play before the age of 12 I think exceeds the boundaries. So uh, we'll see if that passes in California. The problem they have right now is that in California and places around the country, they're having trouble getting kids to field enough football teams. All right, one uh, parting shot here before we get to uh, our guest today. This week, we saw that uh, Anthony Fauci, Dr. Fauci, testified in closed-door session with the House. And coming out of that, the chairman of the House committee said, Dr. Fauci revealed that the six-foot rule during COVID, remember that, particularly with schools, kids had to be six feet apart, those big circles, and kids are inside the white circle. Well, it was revealed that what happened, that wasn't scientific, Fauci said. It came from the ether. It came, well, I tracked down where did the six-foot rule come from, It came from a 14-year-old girl who did a class project in Albuquerque, and she had a dad who uh, had a supercomputer, was a scientist, and from her project and then his uh, calculations, they came up with the six-foot rule. And as a result of that social distancing strategy, somehow or another, it made its way into the hands of Dr. Fauci. By the way, if you remember, Randy Weingarten, was on the emails that the CDC was about ready to go to the three-foot rule, and she put the kibosh on that. Why? Well, she didn't want the schools to reopen. That's exactly why. So there's so much out there. Dr. Fauci also said he didn't think American school kids were as far behind as some people might think. Oh, really? I beg to differ, and that's my expertise. They are behind. This was a body blow toward that. So we'll certainly see... A lot more on this coming up. We're going to see if Dr. Fauci is right or if we're right about this. Now, coming up, 
We're going to talk about the William Penn statue being taken out of Philadelphia, made national news with Brian Cutler, the chief Republican in Harrisburg. He had a lot to say, and he blamed a lot of it on ignorance of William Penn, the schools again. Dom Giordano, Brian Cutler next, here on Reading, Writing, and Reason. Today's program has been pre-recorded. I'm going to teach you. Hey, welcome back to Reading, Writing, and Reason, our weekly excursion into all matters of education, the spending, parenting, with Dom Giordano with you. We had a heck of a guest on my Noon to Three show this week. Brian Cutler is the head of the Republican Party in the House, big player in Harrisburg. He came on because we were talking about William Penn and the William Penn statue, particularly in this one park in Philadelphia, being removed to tell the real story of history. Cutler joined us, and we talked about it in an education sense. What are kids being told, even here in Pennsylvania, what the heck do they know about William Penn versus this all-out attack on statues, history, etc.? And William Penn is not Confederate generals. This is a guy with a sterling sterling reputation for somebody of that era, particularly with Native Americans. Here's what Cutler told me, because his relatives, uh, his people, came over on a ship not too long after the welcome ship with William Penn. Here's what Brian Cutler told me. Leader Cutler, Happy New Year. Thanks for joining us today, Brian. Happy New Year, Dom. Thanks for having me on. Well, um, good action that you are on top of this, and not that you and your staff are not, but there is a a personal interest here, too. Uh, Your people came over only a few years after Penn. And if you can go after William Penn in Philadelphia, I mean, who can't be taken out? Mother Teresa next. Knock down the statues. Yeah, I think that this entire effort is just completely unnecessary and divisive. Uh, As you pointed out, my family first immigrated here in 1685 on the Rebecca, about four years after William Penn's arrival. Uh, We came through Philadelphia up in the Bucks County and then ultimately to the frontier, which at that time was Lancaster County. Still is. Uh, This is actually very personal for me. Yeah, still is in Philadelphia, the frontier, to get out to Lancaster (laughs) County. But, um, uh, and this ought to be moved. After all, you guys were able to move the Taylor Swift thing through pretty quickly. Uh, Do you think people will sign off on this? I mean, what's the buzz in Harrisburg saying, what the heck's happening here? Well, obviously, the Democrats haven't called us back to Harrisburg because they canceled for about three months while they run a special election. So that's the first problem that we're going to have to overcome. Uh, I think we'll get a good sense of what the buzz is, uh, though, based on the number of co-sponsors that we get, Uh, because I I share your concerns. I think when you look at William Penn and his history, uh, that is something that I think actually should be emulated. He was incredibly tolerant. He was, uh, you know, celebrating a culture of a variety of religions and peacefully coexisting. And I'm not sure what the left would have a problem with that. Right. Uh, According to the document and everything else I've read, Brian, they're saying that, uh, well, they need space there. I don't know if you've ever been there. I have. There's nothing there. It looks awful. It's not a great park except for the statue of Penn. There's ample room to put in Native American displays and histories. And you know what? Here's something maybe you consider, too, and you're in the center, and I'm going to be proposing this. They say a more accurate proposal of history. Okay, this is exactly what we should have then. They can put up whatever they want. And then people that are fans of Penn, there's a museum uh, in downtown Philadelphia I'm affiliated with right across from Independence Hall, a new one that celebrated his birthday. The idea of the museum is religion 
the underpinning of the country. Let's see what we all were taught about Penn displayed there, and then they can display whatever they want. That might even make it more valuable. Yeah, I, I think that when you look at the park as it currently exists, as you pointed out, it's, it might not win any beauty awards. So I appreciate the effort to update it and make it more interactive. Uh, but I don't think that uh, that you promote inclusivity by getting rid of something that's been there for a long time. Uh, you know, it's it's important to note also that Penn's treaty, you know, it stood for, you know, 70 plus years. Uh, we were a colony unlike any other in that we had peaceful relations uh, with the Native Americans. So I think that's important uh, to note and that it worked. Uh, so if the Quakers and the Native Americans were able to coexist, I don't understand why you couldn't have two pieces of you know history there, two statues in coexisting in the same location in the park either. Again, it might even be educational. Is there any um, action to explore here, any leverage over this? And the other thing is, politically, this is the ultimate swing state. I mean, President Biden is going to be here another 30 times probably this year. I would not think the White House wants the Interior and the Park Service to be throwing something in after all the states named after it. The University of Pennsylvania is named after this guy. Yeah, well, when you look at our name, as you point out uh, correctly, it's Penn's Woods is the literal meaning. Uh, And when you look at the importance of the state, particularly for a president who claims to be a native Pennsylvanian, you know, being from Scranton, he should be very aware of the history of William Penn. Uh, So I do think uh, that probably the best thing that we can do as the comment period opens for this, we should all make sure that our voices are heard. Uh, That's what we're going to do with the resolution. Certainly encourage all the citizens to do the same. And with any hope, uh, maybe this will be the one time that the federal government listens. A preview for us after the leaky roof is allegedly fixed in the special election. Uh, What we have to look forward to in 2024, all these seats will be up again, right? We're going to go through this again. And some of them, I I guess the one that I remember in in the suburbs over here, I forget which town that it uh, it was within 30 or 40 votes that Republicans lost. It was 61 votes, okay. uh, one seat in Montgomery County. Right. Uh, there were several. Uh, there were several seats that were within a couple hundred votes. Right. And remember, you have you have to go back to the chairman of the redistricting commission's stated purpose. He was very clear that he wanted a 102-101 map. That was his goal. Well, he got something I don't think he anticipated, which is a tied legislative body due to all the vacancies at 101-101. And as we move forward with that, uh, because of the nature in which the districts were drawn, uh, that will be hyperpartisan, and uh, that is, uh, you know, when you look at the mechanics of it, and this is one of the issues that we raise with the map, in order to have a dozen to 15 competitive seats, which is really uh, where it appeared that the chairman was going with the maps, that means the inverse or the flip side of that coin is that you have 80 to 90 seats in some cases, depending on the political environment, of seats that are completely safe, so that the only thing you ever have to worry about is a primary. And you never have to worry about uh, the views of somebody from the opposing party. That is a recipe for gridlock. Uh, We've seen it in full demonstration this entire session, and I think that's what you're going to see for the remainder of 2024 here. Uh, We remain committed. We're willing to help govern the state, but it has to be reasonable. It can't be, uh, you know, radical ideas, such as we're discussing here with the removal of a statue uh, and really undercutting the history of the Commonwealth. Uh, It's got to be reasonable, and we just haven't seen that yet. 
Absolutely. Well, thank you. Thanks for coming on today. Please keep us in the loop, and thanks for being on top of this immediately. Absolutely. Because this uh, could have a, uh, a good settlement to it. Well, it absolutely could. Um, I, I think that, as we pointed out earlier, there's a lot of space there that could be used. Uh, I think that it's uh, very indicative of how the Commonwealth coexisted for some time. I think it would send a good message, to your point, about teaching accurate history. And, you know, I'll go back several sessions ago. I was the first uh, member of the House to formally recognize that so we passed a resolution uh, noting the accomplishments and the, and the contributions to the Commonwealth and the indigenous people. Uh, and they were so grateful for our efforts that they presented me with a friendship blanket that still to this day is in my office. I appreciated uh, you know, their, their showing of good faith, and I think that that is what we can take forward. Uh, that is the best way to solve this. It's not in a complete rewrite of history, because if we don't teach history as you outlined, and this is my biggest concern, we cannot eliminate lessons for tomorrow by erasing history today. We've got to have a complete view of the good and the bad and understand what how that informs our decision-making process, as well as our culture that we live in today. And that is something that will stand the test of time. Uh, Brian, my producer, uh, Dan, tells me you had some comments on Penn, uh, how they can address the anti-Semitic stuff going on there. What kind, of, what kind of metrics would you set up to see that that's actually being done? How should they do that? Well, I think that ultimately it starts with, uh, you know, a denouncement of any kind of genocide. That is something that is, I think, widely recognized as being wrong. And I think that what we heard in the hearings was a very lawyered answer and not a human one. And so I think it starts there. And I know that uh, in talking to the board members and, you know, members of the administration, uh, we've made it clear that uh, that is not acceptable. You have to, we have to denounce genocide. It, you know, the Holocaust is not long ago. And, and it is it is something that, again, we need to accurately teach history and what happened and how that happened. Uh, I think that also uh, when you look at the efforts on campus, uh, there has to be a safe place for all students in terms both of, of Jewish and all other religions as well on campus. And that's not the feedback we've been getting from the students that are there. Uh, so I think that uh, those are two positive steps that would go a long way in improving uh, the culture and ultimately uh, could potentially support the, you know, the institution through the votes, uh, which is what they ultimately lost. Thank you, Brian. Thanks for joining us. Please keep us in the loop. Absolutely. Happy to come on anytime, Dom. All right. That's Seb Cutler here on Reading, Writing, and Reason. And thank God uh, they were stopped at this point, but not to be stopped totally forever. Who in the world in this political climate would think it's a good idea to take out William Penn? Maybe one of the things they thought is, How much do people even know about Penn, even here in Pennsylvania? All right, coming up, a real rising star in the world of education, parenting, and the like. Ryan Walters is the superintendent of schools in Oklahoma. Uh, We made a lot of news with him here on Reading, Writing, and Reason in uh, 2023, talking about various issues. Coming up, he's going to explain how in Oklahoma— They are trying to have a Catholic school that's very effective be classified as a charter school, meaning inside the public school system, even though a Catholic school. It's making a lot of news. He'll break that down and everything else here on Reading, Writing, and Reason. 
Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Today's program has been pre-recorded. I'm going to teach you. All right, welcome into our final segment today of Reading, Writing, and Reason. Ryan Waters, National Star, Superintendent of Schools in Oklahoma. He joined me to talk about the idea of a parochial Catholic school as a charter school in Oklahoma. Here's what Walters told me. Ryan, Happy New Year. Thank you for joining us as always. Hey, Happy New Year. I love coming on. Really appreciate the opportunity. Well, um, this uh, story that I read, I don't know, it was Wall Street Journal or whatever. I know that you're a proponent, the state seems to be of school choice, but that there actually would be a parochial school inside the public school system? Yes, sir. Yeah, Politico put out a hit piece, I think, this week, too. So, you know, they're all kind of circling the wagons on that. But, yeah, look, you know, we've gone back and said, listen, we've taken God out of schools. We've promoted state-sponsored atheism for years um, in the public school system. We've got to get that. We've got to right that ship, and we've got to have more school choice options for parents. We looked at it. We have charter schools. We had the Catholic schools submit an application to host their own charter school guess what the catholics have some of the highest performing schools in our state and in the country and they want to run a charter school and we said well we're not going to discriminate against you because because you're a religious institution if you want to run a charter school they put a great application together we said absolutely we're very proud to have the first religious charter school in the country and um, we're going to keep fighting for school choice and for parents rights so how is that, uh, I guess people are saying, what we hear, you know, the mainstream media is aghast. They haven't gotten on the story here in Philadelphia yet, but they will, and Politico did. How is that not violative? What's been brought up as far as separation of church and state, which is not the law or constitution or anything, but how did, how did that happen that that, under Oklahoma law, is okay? Great question. So 
Basically the way, and, and yeah, I appreciate you saying that too. You know, you hear the left use the phrase separation of church and state to really weaponize the state against religion. Mm-hmm. not the Constitution. It is the twisting of a, a Thomas Jefferson letter to the Danbury Baptist. And he has some erroneous court rulings in the 1960s that really have this morphed understanding of what that means. So, so it's a myth. And then what they do with that is they then use this kind of vague, you know, blanket of, well, I mean, you can't, you can have a religious institution run in a school, and we go, hold on a second. We have a rule in place that says you can be a charter school in the state if you do a few criteria. If you have demand, if you can show us how you're going to use state dollars to improve student academic outcomes, if you show how you're going to do that and be transparent with taxpayers and parents, and we have, you know, again, it's, it's a pretty lengthy little criteria, but that's the high-level mark of it. Well, the Catholic Church comes in and puts a great application together and says, hey, we've been in the business of education for a long time. Here's what we would do, and here's how we would do it. By any objective measure, they would be an excellent um, choice to run a charter school. So what, we're, what we've argued legally is, okay, so you want us to tell them no because they are religious? Well, you can't do that. They've met all the criteria. So we are very comfortable with our state constitution and the U.S. Constitution that you don't violate someone's religious liberty and tell them they can't do something just because of their religious background. And so, again, they've met all the criteria. So we're very proud to have them run a charter school here in our state. Is that operational now or does that come with the next school year? It comes in the next school year. Okay. So, so it is. And I will tell you, you know, we've got you know, every, you know, the ACLU, all these different, oh. you know, atheist <laughs> legal groups come out of the woodwork. But no, it's set to open this fall. Wow. Even from our previous conversations, I got to say, and I'm sure our listeners are, wow. You have to understand, too, Ryan, Philadelphia is the capital, of really, one, one, two, or three of the parochial school system. I mean, it's legendary, particularly with the nuns. And <laughs> they get results during COVID. Their scores actually went up in many instances, because of um, how skillful they were at pivoting, given all the challenges. Oh, absolutely. And like, you know, and it's so incredible. And I've been, you know, making this argument of, guys, you know, the Catholic schools have a great argument here. Like they have continued, despite this wokeism that has so taken over our public school system, that they continue to drive truth. They continue to drive academic outcomes. Guess what else they do? They still have discipline in the classroom. We've launched a discipline initiative here across the state. We are going to bring discipline back in the classroom. We don't believe in this leftist belief of, well, everybody's a victim of society. No, actually, we believe that God's created you uniquely, and you have talents, and it's, and it's our responsibility to use those talents. So we teach kids you're going to be responsible for your own behaviors, and we're going to hold you accountable to that. And guess what? If you, if you start kids like that, then they don't end up being rioters and, and burning down buildings when they're angry. They actually are, are self-reflective, and we want to teach kids that. And, and, you know, the Catholic schools and Christian schools largely, hey, they do that. You know, they, they're world-renowned for having good discipline policies. And, again, you, you talk to so many folks, and their academic results speak for themselves. They do a great job of educating kids. We need more of that, not less of it. Absolutely. We're talking with Oklahoma Superintendent of Schools, Ryan Walters. Uh, talk about uh, where you see us going forward in 2024. I mean, you are keen to politics, too, in addition to education. So talk about this as the national battles out there now. And you're the, one of the big guns, one of the big voices on all over the place on education issues. How do they play out presidentially, congressionally? Yeah, I think that's a great question. You know, and you, you've seen... 
you know, President Trump championed education policy in his time where he was a big school choice advocate, brought more school choice around the country than any president previously. And then he brought back pro-America curriculum. Let's actually read the Declaration of Independence. He had the 1776 Commission, which laid out, hey, kids need to be understanding these sources of which we we got our um, authority and we talk about our rights come from God. We're endowed by our creator. Talk about the Constitution, the separation of powers, the Bill of Rights. This needs to be readily understood by our kids in order to keep this great country. And so he's done a tremendous job. And you've seen through the primary. I mean, frankly, you know, the Republicans are really, you know, hey, we have seen, and by the way, polling backs this up for the first time in decades. The public trusts Republicans more on the issue of education than Democrats. And I'll tell you why this has finally happened, because Republicans have finally started listening to parents and leaned in on education reform. For years, I've seen rhino Republicans placate teachers unions and go, well, we're just going to give more money to the school. You know, we don't mm-hmm. we don't really want to mm-hmm. upset the apple cart. So, you know, we'll, we'll do small reforms, but just give them a lot more money. And finally, parents have been applying the pressure. And finally, these Republicans have been listening and going, no, actually, we're going to institutionalize parents' rights. We're going to get this wokeism out of our schools. We're going to make sure parents have full school choice to choose wherever their kids want to go to school. We're going to make sure that our history classes reflect not only is America not a racist country, not an evil country, it's an incredible country that has had incredible blessings because of our principles, because of the guidance from the founders that we've we've put into place. So that's where I see, and I think it's going to be a major political issue in campaigns. I think for Republicans, you know, where you are on education is going to be just as much a litmus test for voters as abortion and gun rights. It's going to be one of those things. Where do you stand on pro-life? Where do you stand on guns? And where do you stand on education? Yeah, I think you're right. Uh, put this on your radar screen, too, because we know that you're interviewed nationally. You're doing a lot of stuff that gets attention. Uh, here in Philadelphia, it's blowing up into a major story. The National Park Service and this interior secretary, who's radical, uh, are trying to take down statues of William Penn here in Philadelphia, of all places, uh, to be inclusive and to put up more Native American uh, timelines and all this at this one park. Now, picture William Penn, the epitome of religious freedom and the epitome, at least here in Pennsylvania, a major, major American figure at the founding of the country. It's unbelievable. We are sacrificing our young people and the future of this country at the altar of wokeism. You know, we are taking away from them. I love Churchill said, the further back you look is the further ahead you'll see. We know that you learn lessons from history. We know that civilizations remain to be successful because they understood their history, where they came from, what their guiding principles were. And what we see now is we are taking that from our kids. They have no foundation, no concept of what made America great, of how you live your life, of truth. How do you seek out truth in learning and in education? We have gutted all this from our education system. And as they continue, and notice, they're not just through with taking it out of schools. They want to take down any public uh, semblance of our history, of our Mm -hmm. founders. They don't want people to look positively at the founders in any sense. I was at a training once where they said they did the history teacher said he didn't want to talk about the Declaration of Independence because it would be promoting a slave owner like Jefferson. And I said, how how can you teach your students 
about American rights and liberties that they came from their creators. They're not going to talk about the Declaration of Independence. But you see how much wokeism as a mind virus has taken over that it is going to undermine our young people in this country and it's going to destroy it. Where do we find uh, all things uh, what you're doing in Oklahoma, Ryan? Where do listeners go? Yes, sir. Ryan Walters for Oklahoma.com is, is my website where I put regular updates. And we're very active on Twitter. Love to mix it up. I got into it with Gavin Newsom on there the other day. He was coming at me. And so, uh, Ryan Walters. Wait, wait a minute, was it? You got pretty good hair, too. Is it hair tips or what, what was Newsom coming at you on there? Oh, he, he doesn't like we're using PragerU. Oh, my goodness. I can't okay. believe that we're going to show kids videos on the Constitution. Heaven forbid. Absolutely. Well, the parochial school inside the public school system, that to me is pretty revolutionary. So, Ryan, thank you to be continued talking with you. Thank you for joining us. Well, I appreciate the time. appreciate what you're doing. Thank you, sir. Wow, that is unbelievable stuff. It makes a lot of sense to me. If you want choices in quality education, where is it constitutionally or otherwise that a Catholic school couldn't be seen as a charter school? Anything, if, if this breaks ground in Oklahoma, this is another breakthrough in the battle for school choice, which was really just a subsection of what this show is about, parental rights. That's exactly what we're about. All right, so we'll have more on this. We'll monitor this. More coming up next week. Thank you for joining us. Thanks to all the great guests. Thanks to the production by Dan. Dom Giordano with you for this week's edition of Reading, Writing, and Reason. You need a lesson, gonna bring it to you now. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.